Welcome to another episode of Comic Syndicate. Check them out at thecomicsyndicate.podbean.com and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Welcome to the Comic Syndicate episode 322. I'm your host, Josias, at For the Villain on Twitter, at comic underscore syndicate on Instagram. Let's hit it like we normally do because we have a long show for today. Episode 222, we entitled hashtag who the man, you the man. Uh, the Comic Syndicate episode 222. This week at For the Villain Hits, San Diego Comic Con 2018 recap. Experiences and complete behind the scenes with full interviews coming up soon. Okay. I believe last week I did mention this, so San Diego Comic-Con, I think it was the 25th anniversary of Batman the Animated Series. So I got to interview uh, William Friedel, I believe was his name, so uh, the voice of of, uh, uh, Terry McGinnis, sorry, Uh, Kevin Conroy, who's the voice of Batman from Batman the Animated Series. I believe I got to interview Jerry O'Connell and Rebecca Romaine this particular uh show or, or San Diego Comic Con as well. Uh the Impractical Jokers, I think Rick Remender, this one was a busy one for me before I took a break off from uh going to conventions and getting interviews. So uh apparently I'm gonna roll out some of these interviews uh soon after this. Then I roll some comic talk. Disney, Indiana Jones, Robocop, WB, Wizard of Oz, Enter the Dragon, Marvel, Black Widow, DC, DX, and Universe, Robert De Niro, and the Joker, Green Lantern, Movie Talk, DC, Batman, Woman, TV Show, James Gunchat, DC Streaming Service, Mark Hamill, at San Diego Comic Con 2018, Tom King News, and finally rocks out another old school comic review, Image Comics' The Max. Oh, dude, uh, interesting that I, that I dissected and went through the max. If you guys have ever read it, uh, the artist and writer is going to be Sam Keith. It's a great psychological comic book uh, that deals with trauma when we didn't know trauma was really a thing. Um, yeah, uh, it's a great comic if you guys ever get to read it. The art's pretty fucking rad. The storytelling is great. It is funny as well. And if you guys want to take the cheap, easy route, um, back in the 90s, early 90s, there was a The Max TV show, cartoon on Not the Adult Swim, um, where Beavis and Butthead, The Brothers Grunt used to come on, Ren and Stimpy. There was like a block of animated shows at the time. So if you guys find can find it, I believe it's on, I think, Paramount Plus. I don't know if you guys have that stream, but find it on YouTube video if you guys get the chance. They're short episodes. They're like 15-minute long episodes, and it, I think that the show ran for like 10 episodes, if even that. So pretty much uh, the, the first run, the first maybe two, maybe three trade paperbacks of the Max. So the and then M-A-X-X. Anyways, you guys, that's where we hit 100 episodes ago. Uh, first one, let's start off some, with some bullet points, which are going to be shout outs. Now, this one's going to be very cool and very interesting at the same time. I got hit up by Andrew Lewis uh, the other day, kind of randomly, which was still great to hear from you guys. He hits me up on uh, X, I guess, Twitter. Andrew says, I'm listening to the podcast again. I love you, homie. You're always the best. I got back to him and said um, something simple like, uh, you know, I've given you some love since being back and andrew is actually the dude that wrote uh the intro and i want to talk about the intro uh the little jingle because it's very interesting it's odd and, and awkward i don't know um but anyways he continues on i love you brother 
I've been judged for my past, rightfully so in some cases. And uh, I had to hit him up, geez, this morning because I'm recording Tuesday, October 3rd on my lunch break again. And I, I, this one was very personal and I don't ever want to divulge or tell stories, uh, personal stories on your guys' behalf. So I'm like, dude, is it cool if I read this on the show? He's like, nah, man, of course. So he got back to me this morning. And this one, it was off of one of those questions. Andrew says, I love you, brother. I've been judged for my past, rightfully so in some cases, because I was an addict and I hated myself and I hated everything. Now I feel like a hero most days and I've tried to redeem myself and make amends. God and Superman deserve the credit. Excellent question. When I think of you, I just think about an amazing human that brings joy and knowledge to the masses. You're awesome, dude. That was Andrew's comment. And I, I think I've, I always try to be humble about things, but dude, Andrew, I love you, man. Thank you so much. This one meant a lot, dude. Anytime you guys reach out to me on this level, I always love it. And I, I even messaged you like I respect you, you know? And then Andrew mentioned something like, uh, I love the new jingle or, or then what you did to it, uh, the, the editing of it. And I didn't quite understand what he was talking about. So, I, I edited it, the podcast, I always do, and I didn't find anything wrong with it beginning to end. It's like, okay, let's cut out this, this, you know, typical editing. And for some reason, that particular show, and I don't even know if it's past shows now, where uh, the intro had like an, a weird echo vibe to it. Um, so it almost like it was playing twice and once again in the background. Now, I don't know if it's my laptop or, or my recording equipment. I don't know if I did something wrong or pressed something wrong. But again, it sounded like a dual playing maybe a second after each other of, of the same of his same intro. So I don't know if it's me. I'm probably going to have to do some work. Uh, that's why I didn't put it on this show, <laughs> at, at, even though I'm talking about Andrew right now. Um, so Andrew, that's my bad. I didn't edit it. I love your, your intro, dude. So, um, I still use it obviously. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, oh, maybe it's a me thing. So I'm not going to have any time to edit this show, uh, till tonight. till I get out of work possibly, but I'll work on that. All right. Anyways, I'm going to continue on just with some love real quick. Find the weird street podcast. My boy, Jacob Medina and his wife, Eva host that. Oh no, not another one hosted by Sarah Kitsinis and Derek Krentz. They're a good, uh, so far TV show, uh, podcast. They, they talk about pop culture, but so far it's been a breakdown of the bear and one piece so far. I think that one, the bear was a two, uh, split episodes breaking down season one, season two, one piece. I believe they did the same thing. And I know that first season just dropped. So if you guys are interested in those shows, find those ones. Last but not least, if you guys like pop culture and comic news, comic reviews, find the comics and 30s podcast. My boy, Adam Garza, Hector Cornejo and Ben Davis. Ben, I still have not met yet. Hopefully I'll hook up with them at, um, the Los Angeles Comic Con coming up uh, early November. Uh, I believe we can put our press passes in for that October 16th, I believe. So a day before my birthday. Uh, I haven't told Adam yet. Like, Adam, let's hook up, dude. I miss you. So hopefully you head out. I can possibly put you on as press if you don't get it. But you got to let me know, uh, I guess, once the press uh, uh, opening begins for us. All right. Now... Let's hit question of the week real quick because, um, yeah, uh, question of the week is always based on review or review, something in particular that I read for that week, um, and that stands, stands out to me in, in a weird way to the point where I'll bring it here. 
and they're not total existential questions. Sometimes they are. Uh, sometimes they're mundane. Sometimes they're corny, but they're kind of thinkers too sometimes. And this is one of those new segments I've implemented since being back again. And this one for this particular week, question of the week is going to be, is there one person you've known or met in your life that you would like to or have liked to switch places with them for a day? Now think about that one. Um, just to get in their, into their headspace, their mindset, their, their way of thinking, I guess, even methodology behind things, um, the day to day of their life. Now, yes, that can be an odd, scary, bizarre question, but I mean, think about it. Seriously. I have mine off the top of my head already. And I know a lot of you guys know who it would, it would be. Um, but yeah, uh, wait till the end of the show. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a kind of interesting, weird question that I don't think a lot of people ask each other and continuing on with bullet points. This is going to be, uh, an old segment from a long time ago that I haven't brought up in fucking years. Um, for the month of October, I used to bring this particular topic to the table and I'm going to bring it back this year. This is going to be week one of spooky story talk. So for the month of October, um, I'm going to roll these out for the next four weeks. If any of you guys have any personal stories or personal experiences about anything supernatural, anything scary, anything spiritual, um, yeah, I'm going to start this one off with a bunch of softballs. And next week, I'm going to tell a personal story. And then the week after that, another personal story. And it's spooky stories talk time, guys. So this was going to be the softball question or not question, a spooky story talk uh, week one topic. The top 10 most unforgettable urban legends of all time. I'm going to read these real quick. That's why I said it's going to be a long show. From psychopaths and serial killers to aliens and sea monsters. Monsters. Urban legends are the creepy tales we love. Passed down through generations and begrudgingly engraved into every listener's mind forever. What is an urban legend exactly? An urban legend, also known as an urban myth, is usually horror or humor or a humorous story. Passed through generations with claims that it's true. Like uh, like broken telephone, the story can alter from person to person with each narrator claiming to have known a friend of a friend or a family member who has lived through the tale. Hope we haven't scared you off yet. All right. This is first one's going to be top 10 urban, urban legends. And let me know if you guys have seen and or experienced any of these. Uh, they, they are urban legends, but as I go through them, I'm going to be like, I, I came across one in particular. I'm like... Hmm, this one I think is coming to light more and that one will make sense once I come across it. Number one is going to be the gateway to hell. There are plenty of graveyards worldwide, but none like the Stoll S-T-U-L-L Cemetery in Kansas. Graveyards can come with the label of being haunted, entering the realm of being diabolical. But this graveyard has been labeled the gateway to hell. For a reason, ask the locals and they'll whisper, the devil himself holds court with his worshipers here and hosts regular rituals at this site. Next one's going to be number two. And do you guys, have you guys heard that first urban legend? Second one's going to be a tall tale. Or is it? How do you guys feel about this one? Number two, Bigfoot. Large, hairy, and human-like, that's what they all say about Bigfoot. Legend has it the beast was seen on the northwestern side of the United States and western sides of Canada, ranging from 6 feet to a towering 15 feet tall. Rumor has it that Bigfoot emits an awful smell and an eerie, high-pitched cry. 
Um, anything paranormal? Anything weird like this have you guys come across? Do you guys believe in Bigfoot? Is that the question? Number three, Area 51. If you believe in extraterrestrial life forms, you might already be familiar with a near-mythical desert base of Area 51, located in the desert towns of Nevada and off-limits to the public. Many people believe the area is a hotspot for UFO landings and aliens. I believe that's when I came across where I'm like, all right, well, a lot of us have known that was a thing, right? And now the UFO getting changed to unidentified flying phenomena, something like that, UAO phenomena, UAP, something weird like that. Anyways, um, yeah, I've always thought there was... Uh, but then again, I believe in, in read and knowledge. I'm not knowledgeable. I don't want to say. Um, but did homework on stuff where I, 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 I mean, did, we're not the only ones living here. But how do you guys feel about it? This one's going to be number four, the spider bite. You may have heard this urban tale about a child who was bitten by a spider while exploring. Maybe you know someone who knows someone who has a coworker that experienced the same thing. As his mother gave him a hot bath, the bite began oozing. This was no ordinary bite. The site was hatching, releasing thousands of spiders of eggs from the boy's skin as his, as his horrified mom looked on. Uh, yeah, you know, I believe I've heard that one particularly, and then I've heard another rendition. <laughs> this was fucking junior high. I think I heard this one. Um, somebody ate Taco Bell, and they bit into a, a, a taco or whatever the fuck it was, and... They got an abscess in their mouth, and when it finally popped, it was like a cockroach egg, and it hatched a bunch of cockroaches. I know, it's spooky, right? That's another weird one. Um, The girl who fucked up hot dog in, in, in elementary, I heard. Um, So I'm pretty sure all you guys have some sort of story like that as well. This one is an interesting one because I've heard this one before. Number five, the sewer alligator. Since the 1930s, people have allegedly seen an alligator roaming the sewers of New York City. The reptilian monstrosity is approximately eight feet long, and some say it has a white, scaly skin and red eyes. Is this an albino tiger hidden from the light in the sewers or a hungry beast looking for its next bite to eat? We'll never know. Number six, well to hell. The creepy, this creepy legend originates from Serbia, where tales are told about a crew of Russian scientists who drilled too deep into the earth and discovered an unknown cavity. Fascinated by their discovery, they lowered a microphone to test plate movement, and the noise they heard turned them ghostly white. Ask anyone you know, and they'll tell you what they heard. The wails of millions of lost souls trapped in hell. Number seven is interesting because I've actually tried this before. Uh, and then reading this, I'm like, okay, I didn't know that particular part of this story number seven bloody mary this may be this may be the most famous urban legend in the uk story and i didn't know the origination was in the uk storytellers say if you look in the mirror and say bloody mary bloody mary bloody mary something might happen although what exactly changes with each retelling over the years the legend has changed as people once believed that if if an un this is the part i didn't know that if an unmarried woman said the three words, she would either see the face of her future husband or if she saw a skull, she would die single. Believers linked uh, Mary Tudor, Mary I of England, with Bloody Mary for the number of Protestants she put to her death for hearsay. So again, uh, tried this in junior high school with friends. Um, nothing happened. Might be why. <laughs> Not going to go there. Um, 
yeah, but have you guys tried it? Um, and I didn't hear or I've never known about um, the, the the single part. Number eight, the skunk ape. I don't know if I've heard of this one before. Beware of the skunk ape if traveling in Florida. It was the autumn of 1974 when the skunk ape was first seen in Dade County. Some witnesses say it resembles an orangutan. Others argue the creature is just a black bear who runs around town rummaging through the rubbish. However, this legend has even caught the ear of the United States National Park Services, who consider the skunk ape a hoax. Never heard of that one. This one, mm, we've all heard of by now. I've never come across any anything that states it does exist, but I don't even think I've heard any family members even tell me from Mexico, from Texas, where they they have ranch lands. Number nine, the chupacabra. The chupacabra originates from Puerto Rico and is a goat-like monster who acts like a vampire. Its name comes from two Spanish words, chupar, to suck, and cabra, goat, in which people claim the monster drinks the blood of livestock of livestock animals. Over time and with many different sightings, the description of the chupacabra has changed. Some say it's the same size as a small bear with spikes along its back, while some say it hops like a kangaroo and has long fangs. So, have heard of the story again no accounts and rounding out the list of the top 10 urban legends and again this is the softball for the week of october the that wendigo comes in at number 10 this urban legend originates from the native american lore in which storytellers describe the creature as a demonic beast that resides along the atlantic coast of the u.s and canada the Wendigo is a supernatural character with great spiritual power who enjoys hunting humans. All right. And again, wow, I didn't realize I, I grabbed more stuff. So I'm already going through articles and finding old stories. Um, I love spooky shit. I love supernatural phenomena stuff. I've seen things <laughs> um, before and I've experienced things before where... It's easy to say, it's easy to explain away some, sometimes. Um, but yeah, um, I'm going to go through a bunch of these ones the rest of the week. So they're going to hopefully get scarier as the month progresses. So you guys have three more weeks to give me guys your entries. If you guys have any stories at all or anything you guys might want me to hit, hit up at, uh, and completely dissect, I can completely do that as well. Granted, time permitting because Josias works a lot. All right, that's all my bullet points for this week along with spooky story talk. Give me a few and I'll be right back with some comic talk. Hey, this is, hey, this Scott, is Scott Snyder. I'm writing All-Star Batman, Batman uh, this year, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. I'm Mitch Garrett, the artist of Sheriff of Babylon. I'm Tom King, the writer of Sheriff of Babylon, and you're listening to the Comic Syndicate. Syndicate. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman, and you're listening to the Comics Syndicate. Hi, my name is Brian Pucciolato, and I listen to the Comics Syndicate. Hi, this is Chris Michello. We're hanging out here at Frank and Sons, and we're having a good time on a Sunday or Saturday afternoon, and uh, you're listening to me live on the Comic Syndicate. Hi, this is Brian Michael Bendis, and you are listening to the Comics Syndicate. Comic Talk. 
All right. Welcome back to Comic Talk. I don't have a lot of news. I'm going to ask that because Spooky Story Talk took a little bit of time. Uh, let's start off with some reviews. Uh, Marvel's Death of Venom verse number five. Colin Bunn's the writer. Gerardo Sandoval. Love his art. Is the artist. Victor Alazaba and Gerardo Sandoval are the inkers. Jim Campbell is the colorist. This one is uh, wrapping up soon. So Anti-Venom has struck and has turned all the other Venoms. Um that carnage has killed uh that's kind of embedded into his body now they are able to turn against finally carnage and they're able to combat him together now so anti-venom um it looked like she was able to stop carnage and a bunch of these venoms coming back were going to be able to stop carnage um and this one was cool. Like we see Carnage like stepping up to all of them now and he wants this fight. He wants to test himself. And we see still like Carnage is on a tear and what he's doing now. Um with it with this new power so he's it's like every issue of this like we see so many deaths of venoms and now Carnage has traveled to um to a multiversal world where the Avengers are about to fight Null. And I believe I was able to review um, Null, the King in Black, or, or the King, Venom, the King in Black uh, series from Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman. Uh, Null is uh, the, the symbiote, uh, the god symbiote, um, I guess. And um, so now carnage seeks this guy out because he's like okay if i can beat you then i know i can take over because you're a badass he travels to this world where um and again our eddie brock from the 616 universe and the avengers and x-men have already fought him but now he enters this world and he's scrapping with null i'm not going to ruin it from there if you guys were a fan of venom there's a lot of Venoms in here. If you're a fan of Venom, there's a lot of Venom deaths in here. Uh, if you're a fan of Carnage, you're going to like it. You're going to see him on a crazy fucking tear. I believe it's one more issue that's going to wrap up next month. Um, but I'm enjoying the title. Again, for from the writer Colin Bunn, I love his writing. And Gerardo Sandoval, his art is just fucking dope. Not Book of the Week, but a good read. Again, if you like Venom and or Carnage, you guys will dig this series going on right now. Next one is also going to be a Marvel title. It's going to be Jean Grey, number two. Dead Reckoning. Louis Simonson is the writer. Bernard Chang is the artist. Marcelo Maiolo is the colorist. This one starts off with Young Jean and uh, the, the X-Men team at the time, the youngsters. So, um, I'm sorry, the new X-Men team. So it's going to be the team of Wolverine, uh, Nightcrawler, Colossus, when they had just joined the team, uh, Wolverine and Banshee, I believe. Um, so it starts off with this team. So it goes back literally into the story of, of giant size X-Men number one from like 1975 on this particular mission. And um, Jean, Jean Grey comes across the the Phoenix. So this particular mission is, is where she becomes the Phoenix and using her powers to save her, her teammates. But now she starts thinking, you know, what if there was a different way to go about it? Like I... Yeah, our rocket ship is crashing towards earth and i have to use my telepathic abilities that i wasn't strong enough to use so as i'm trying and crashing my friends down in this rocket ship she reached out and that's where the phoenix force came from um and kind of took over her and this one was very much like what if there was another way 
And so this is her description, her, her dialogue, uh, monologue for the most part. What if I trusted the others and instead of grabbing control, chose to listen? And she's talking to Wolverine now on this mission. Do you have a better idea? Yeah, I pilot the shuttle. She's talking to Wolverine talking. I pilot the shuttle. I have a healing factor, so I'm likeliest to survive. You know the drone can direct me telepathically from the shielded cabin. Wolverine takes the cockpit, and while the rest of us settle down, this is now Jean Grey's monologue. The rest of us settle down in the shielded compartment and wait, and he opens his mind to me. I see through his eyes, the dials, the controls, the approaching Earth. Then the flare hits full force, and we realize our shields might not be enough. As a crew, all of the X-Men are really just afraid now that they're going to die. Um, so Scott Cyclops professes his love to her. Um, he's like, we're going to fucking die. Like, I just know I love you. And this is Jean Grey. This is all panel of play happening. I jerk away and Scott fades into the background. My focus is entirely on Wolverine, on keeping him, keeping us all alive. As our rapport deepens, I learn more about Wolverine, about Logan. He calls himself Logan. His life flashes before our eyes as the radiation intensifies and his healing factor struggles to repair its ravages. Emergence of powers. We all have those memories of who we were before and who we became. Scott with uncontrollable optic blasts. I with psi powers. Logan with claws of bone. Not adamantium. Then how? One image rapidly replaces another. Military service in World War I. And two, how old is he? Then nothing. A blank, a walled off hard stop in his memories. The radiation is more than his healing factor can handle. I'm losing him. I can't. I won't let that happen. I grab a hold of his mind and push hard, adding my will and strength to his. And the block in his mind shatters, revealing terrible trauma. Buried, hidden, even from him. A secret research facility in Canada. A clandestine military operation called Weapon X, and Logan, their prisoner. Scientists, mad scientists, torturers as they bond adamantium to his bones and strive to eradicate his humanity. Then escape. Such anger, such destruction, such courage. He came us looking for a haven, though he didn't know he needed one. He doesn't trust us yet. After what he's been through, how could he? But by a kind of miracle, he trusted me enough to let me into his mind. He's willing to die for all of us, but especially for me. He's done so much, sacrificed so much. If there is a God, help him. Um, this one was weird, very cool, interesting story. Um, I, I loved this, this panels, the, these uh, inserts that I'm reading right now too. Uh, the, the story tone on it is great. And this story happens to be, again, what if she chose another way? She lets Wolverine take the gig and save the X team and we see what if the Phoenix force goes to Wolverine instead. Now stories have been written that are canon. So Wolverine technically has been a Phoenix. Uh, we've had Thor, a Phoenix. We've had uh Colossus Cyclops, uh, magic, uh, uh, of a Phoenix as well. Um, so the Phoenix five, uh, with, uh, that, that crew, uh, very interesting, and this one is pretty much what what would happen if Wolverine would have come across it, or if this scenario played out. Uh, it's an interesting story, so if you do like the Phoenix and X-Men, it's not a bad story. Again, these inserts are probably my favorite part of it. It would have been Book of the Week, and it's interesting, again, to see what would have happened if the Phoenix would have gone to Wolverine first at 
the time. He wouldn't have been able to handle it, or would he have been able to handle it? So, uh, all right, next one's going to be, uh, you know what, let's hit it. ITW, Bryn Mawr number three. I've been reading this, and I've been reviewing these, and I like it, especially for the month of October. I've already started my, my scary movie binge already. So this is going to be, again, an IDW title, Bryn Mawr number three. Steve Niles is the writer. Damien Warm is the artist. Taylor Esposito is the letterer. Uh, so Mark just unleashed this darkness. <laughs> Uh, and from this underneath the church where he's renovating, where he's creating or, or making, constructing a home out of this church that he's purchased. And underneath the church, uh, he comes across a uh, somewhat of a cave in, in the basement and comes across a giant um, sarcophagus that he broke open. This is, this is how this one starts. Who are you? You say who, but you mean what? I just want to know what I'm dealing with. You unleashed horror and death, but I do not know if I have the strength to deal with it. I don't understand. They never do until it's too late. So it's this creature, this man, that has been trapped in this sarcophagus for, we don't know, time frame yet, although there's a bit of time frame. Because this story finally goes into a little bit of background about the city and the family members of, of uh, the gentleman, Mark, I'm sorry, uh, so this book is about a man with a troubled past. As he moves back to an old town he grew up in, that is his family's namesake, Turner Island. The people of the island hate him and his family, but he wants to start his life off again fresh here, hoping, uh, hopefully giving up his past and past transgressions. And so he comes across something odd and gnarly. After a sleepless night, Mark returns to the basement and, and he sees this waiting creature. Um, see, so this is again part of the story. Now, this is uh, my review. <laughs> I mean, these are all my reviews, but um, yeah, so uh, this, that's the story catching you guys up from issue one to number three. So, Mark now speaking to this creature, and he's tall, he's a tall figure. He covers, drapes his face with a, a, a cloth of some sort, so about his nose down. Uh, you can see his eyes, though. He looks like Vincent Valentine, Vincent Valentine from, from Final Fantasy VII. If you guys want to know what that looks like, either pick up the book or just Google Vincent Valentine, Final Fantasy VII. Um, but that's what he looks like. Uh, please tell me what I have done. I will tell you a story about this island. In the mid-1700s, this island was settled by many pilgrims who sailed from all over the world. They brought them with them their cultures, their ways, their foods, but they also brought their beliefs and their curses. But one night, a local man was stabbed to death. A mysterious man who uttered a curse on the whole island as he, as he died. His name was Pierce Turner. He was your distant relative. And it goes into this curse now uh, this town has been going through. And then it goes through um, another one of his family members that is – that creates something to combat the evils now. So as now this island is cursed, people are – townspeople are killing each other. And they're almost becoming zombified in a weird way. And it's not zombies. Uh, so the remaining townspeople contact uh, another one of his family members. And he's able to create a being to stop and, and lock away these entities now, I guess is the best way to put it. And it's interesting to see how the townspeople, once this this thing, and I'm going to tell you, like, I don't want to ruin the fucking story here, but 
the thing the, the his family member created was this this creature now he's talking to but the way he creates it is like with almost black magic black arts maybe and from like twigs and and clay and he creates this monster killer which is weird because we don't like again the context in the background is okay we're finally getting some some context on what this entity that you know is was in the sarcophagus is and is he innately bad we don't know i'm enjoying it the art's really good it's an easy quick read um yeah it, it's a quick read it's a breeze it's cool though it's barely issue number three from idw i dig the hell out of it and you guys should check it out last review is going to be a dc comics title batman catwoman the gotham war red hood number one matthew rosenberg is the writer nicola us is mezia is the artist rex locus is the colorist troy pateri are the is a letterist this one starts off really quick in three panels so it's red hood jason todd out on the town going to work and asking some really serious questions that batman normally never asks in this way um and we get more scenes and, and just panels of red hood how far he's he's always willing to go um which is hurt and even kill the bad guys to get answers he's always looking for answers in this one every thug he comes across every goon he comes across every villain he comes across he's like where is he where's the joker and he just that's his mission he wants to find out where the joker is still so he can finally kill the joker because the joker killed jason todd young robin many years ago so he still has a grudge about this so we see him just fucking up a bunch of dudes and we see pages panels of selena kyle some Catwoman, essentially stepping in now not selena kyle she's in her outfit so she's she's Catwoman. and then we get this odd uh, i guess juxtaposition between these two characters because there's this gotham war that has started between batman and Catwoman. uh Catwoman believes almost like the red hood red hood red robin red robin fuck me let's try that again robin hood there we go i totally mixed both of those up uh about the robin hood theory where it's like let's rob from the rich and give back to the city of gotham but you know it'll bring down crime which it it so far looks like that's where things are batman is like no we're still you guys are still stealing from the rich and that's still not right so i have to put you guys away so just that interesting uh difference in methodologies for the most part and then how jason todd feels about killing anyways because he feels strong about batman you got to start fucking killing these motherfuckers because you let joker keep getting out of fucking gotham and this motherfucker's a killer and he killed me and you still haven't done anything to stop him so we get we all know that about about jason todd and how he feels about that so it's cool now we see selena kyle so catwoman hitting up jason todd giving him a card like i oh, think we can work together so her idea is for her to start training now her cat burglars to defend themselves in case batman or the bat family decides to to stop them or even put the hurt on them i guess is what what catwoman is more worried about you know like so she hires jason todd to again train these these burglars which is weird to say and i just love 
Jason Todd because he's a fucking hard ass and this is his dialogue as he's training these guys. You three are, are a damn disaster. With henchmen like you, it's no wonder your bosses always end up in Arkham or Blackgate. That probably feels like a vacation after working with you. This is, I swear, swear this is the shit I say. But Catwoman thinks you can be molded into something useful. So here you are. Want to know what I think? I think you take pieces of shit and try to mold them into some pretty shape. You just end up getting covered in shit. <laughs> I think training a bunch of degenerates and lowlifes to break into people's houses is dumb. Is a dumb fucking idea. I think this is all going to go horribly wrong. But I'm here to get to know all of you real well. So that when I'm right and you do screw up, I can find you and kill you. As Catwoman says, he's joking. I'm not any questions so he decides to take the gig and he's legit training this these burglars now and um completely trained by selena kyle to become cat burglars and and now they're getting to learn how to fight and this was probably book of the week for me it was very reminiscent of i don't know it felt like i was watching wrestling almost like it was weird the way it's written the way the the the, the writer threw in you know degenerates and the way jason todd just fucking takes these kids to fucking school like their training is him kicking their asses and they're like scared of him and Selena's like, all right, good job. Um, let's send them out on the mission. Jason Todd straight up, nope, they're not fucking ready. What do you mean they're not ready? It's like, bitch, they're not fucking ready. So they're scared of Jason Todd. They go out for drinks and it's like, thanks for inviting us out. It's like, motherfuckers, I don't even want to fucking hang out with you. This is your last fucking test. Selena thinks you guys are ready. We're going to find out if you're fucking ready. So Jason Todd walks up to another table at the bar, <clears throat> a bunch of bikers. He's like, this is your fucking test, guys. Before he goes talking to them, he's like, something's going to happen right now, but I don't want you guys to fight back and no fucking weapons at all. So he goes to the biker group now and he's like, these motherfuckers are talking shit and saying your bikes up front are pussies. So these guys literally start kicking their fucking asses. And Jason Todd is like, well, you survived at least. That's good. And he tells Selena, see, they're not fucking ready. Like, so very interesting. And again, the juxtaposition between now styles, because Jason Todd, yes, does fight for good. He's very much anti-hero too, because he's still willing to go and kill people to stop people. He's willing to use way more violence um, than Batman and the rest of the Bat family normally would. The best way I can put it, the two closest or next person similar to to Jason Todd would be Damian Wayne because Damian Wayne was also trained to be an assassin killer at 12 years old. So um, I'm curious what, what this is like. Uh, I know I got to read through the rest of the Gotham War because I know that's continuing. Uh, the next Batman to come out um, tomorrow because I'm recording this Tuesday, October 3rd. Um, the cover is it looks like Nightwing and, and Batman scrapping. So those are always fun titles when those two go at it. Um, so yeah. Alright guys, that's I think that was my book of the week. I enjoyed this week's reading. It was good. So if any of these interest you, please find them guys. Uh, keep on listening. I will catch you guys next week. Peace out.
Alright guys, uh, if you guys have been listening since I've been back, you guys know I've been pulling these weird things where, I'll explain it, um, around the recording of, of mid to late November, definitely before Thanksgiving, it's all going to make sense. But anyways, question of the week, is there one person you've known or met in your life that you would or would like to have liked to switch places with with them for one day, uh, you know, get into their headspace, their mindset, their way of thinking, their ideals, their day-to-day life. Uh, I said I do have one off the top of my head, and I think I said it earlier. Yes, this can be scary. I think I would have loved to get into the headspace of my dad. Like, why do you work so much? Like, why? How are you a good man? How are you not a dick to the people you need to be a dick to, dad? Like, you have too good of a fucking heart. And the work aspect, I I know. (laughs) I I know the work aspect because now I'm that fucking person. So uh, just a caring dude and to get into his headspace and to be willing to help everyone would have been nice. Like, I don't think I would want to get into anyone else's headspace or, or try to get their mindset um i don't think anyone's good enough <laughs> like and and that's me personally like you know i don't think anyone's that good now even weird cuz earlier on when i did ask this question i even thought you know what if i couldn't get into my dad's headspace i wish more people could get into my headspace and see my fucking day to days i really do because I think a lot of people would fucking, it would be an eye opener to a lot of goddamn fucking people. And I think that's the scarier thing is, you know, it was off of the review for Jean Grey number two, Wolverine takes the hit and and does something for his team. And to see someone through someone else's eyes is always interesting and weird. Uh, storytelling devices, yeah, but it, it's a weird question in general anyways. Uh, but again, I think the more important question here, I mean, my dad, number one, but I wish, I swear more people could, again, just go through the day-to-day life one fucking day. I guarantee you a lot of people couldn't fucking hack it. And not coming from a place of darkness, a place of depression, sadness. Um, I don't think people can handle the work, first of all, um, and the lack of sleep and the grind of it all. Um, I just don't think anyone can hack it. Uh, or a lot of people could. So very weird. Um, yeah, if you guys enjoyed the show, continue to listen. You guys rock. I will catch you guys next week. Peace out for sure this time.